the general kind of rumored mentality of the Fed is you got to get their Fed funds borrowing rate above the PCE, the core inflation the core number, inflation, yeah. and that real number is higher. We're not going to start to see things come down until rates get well above 10%. Right. That's a strong possibility. Yoda, right. Yoda said so. Right. And to, to, give, to give everyone an example, if you, if you can't understand what Chris is trying to say there, is if you have $100 and you put it in the bank, right, and the interest rate you're getting on it is 4%, right? You made $4 at the end of the year. But if inflation is at 8%, you've now lost money. So that is, that is why you need the Fed funds rate to be higher than the inflation rate in order to really fight this thing. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the higher standard. Please place all tray tables and seat backs in your locked and upright positions. This show is going to be a bumpy ride. I am one of two co-pilots on this fantastic voyage. My name is Chris Nahibi. And that giggling schoolgirl is my co-pilot, Sayoma. Hello, everybody. If you like listening to the show, please subscribe and leave an honest five-star review, whether that's on Apple or Spotify. I feel like you're not being aggressive enough with this because we're not seeing enough, like, uh, we're not seeing, like, a massive influx of reviews. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. the, like the next time we do this, you, know, you just I get feel angrier like and angrier. People are skipping through the intros to get to the material, so I try to wait just enough to you, that first skip, and then they got to hear Give it. Give them the hesitation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you thought the you hesi- missed me, now leave me a review. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, big news right out the gate, 75 basis points. Said Omar's Nobel status is still in play. Mm-hmm. That is a yet another prediction where you have not gotten it wrong. Hashtag Nobel, baby. Hashtag Nobel. Yeah. Later on in the show, we're going to actually hear from a Nobel Prize winning economist. Mm. And uh, I got to say, you guys sound a lot alike. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of similarities. Both of you are right a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to give everybody a little bit of a rosy path is what we're going to enter into today in the show. This one's going to be a little bit different because we're going to drive home some reoccurring points. And it didn't, it wasn't really by design by Saeed and I, it was just that the data and the conversation that's starting to happen out there in the ether, it's all pointing to the same topic. So we're going to really drive home how some of these things you're hearing are completely bullshit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And speaking of bullshit, yeah, I'm going to segue myself today. Oh, do it. In a letter addressed to Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, not one, not two, but 10 Democrats cautioned the U.S. Central Bank about potential consequences for the labor market 
as policymakers try to slow the economy and crush runaway inflation that is still hovering near a 40-year high. Mm. This from an article from Fox Business titled Democrats Slam, quote, dangerous, end quote, Fed rate hikes, warning of widespread job losses. It goes on, and I like this part a lot. <laughs> Updated projections from the Fed's meeting showed unemployment rising to 4.4% by the end of next year. What projections? Yeah, exactly. Where, where are you getting that from? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said it's going to happen in the future. That's also called bullshitting in the professional category. Right, but that's what he's hoping for. He's hoping for, but yeah. that's, that's not... Yeah, yeah. You, what there's that no data exactly. that backs that up. Right. So, okay, let's just keep going. By the end of next year, not 2022, 2023. Right. We're going to go from 3.6% or 3.7-ish, depending on whose prediction you follow, to 4.4% right. in 14 months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fast enough for Jerome. But 10 Democrats are freaking out. Right, right. <laughs> that we're going to see a 0.7% increase in unemployment in 14 months. Meanwhile, a healthy economy has a 5% unemployment rate. Correct. So, quoting from the article again. That is a significantly higher than June that policymakers saw the jobless rates inching up to 3.7%. Man. So th this whole article t was, was hilarious to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with the way they tried to really quantify this in the, the fear-mongering aspect. That could mean roughly 1 million Americans lose their jobs between now and the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. Other analyses, including one from Deutsche Bank, showed unemployment climbing as high as 6% by the end uh, of, of the Fed's rate hikes in 2023. So I, I kind of now, now, we don't want anyone to have to lose their jobs, but unfortunately, it's a necessary evil to, to, fight, this, to fight this thing. Well, dude, and here's the thing. Okay, so the Democrats are writing this yeah. ahead of the midterms mm -hmm. in just a couple of days. So as of today, we're recording this. It's what, November 3rd, Thursday? Right. This will come out on the following Tuesday. So by the time you guys are here this, we're, we're entering into, you know, midterm week. That being said, mm -hmm. okay, they are doing this solely as a way to get more votes coming up to the midterm. Of course, yeah. And we, as, as just people that are out there reading the media, you get these news alerts, you think to yourself, like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're so concerned. Are they really concerned about a 0.7% increase? That's the whole point of what we're going. You're we're writing a letter to the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. That's not going to do anything. Not this is his job. Yeah, this is what he's supposed to do. And guess what? He does not care. He's come out and he said it time and time again. At the press conference after the FOMC meeting, he, went out, he said, uh, from a risk management standpoint, we want to make sure we don't make the mistake of either failing to tighten enough or loosening policy too soon which echoes what he said in the Fed minutes, the previous meeting where he right. said, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, the risk of doing too little was outweighed by the risk of doing too much. He's keeping that same energy. How much can he say, I'm going to keep my foot on the gas pedal and we're going to go until we get this time machine into the future, baby. Right. In case you haven't seen it or, or you've been living under the rock, this is the fourth 75 basis point increase in a row. That's that's a new record. Did you say living under the rock, as in like Dwayne Johnson? Or yeah, 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 <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been under a rock? So the recap: we went from now a three and a quarter to now four percent Fed funds rate. Twenty-five base point, fifty base point, seventy-five, 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 and seventy-five. 75 right. And people um, in the press conference were really starting to ask him, like trying to read the tea leaves. So is the next one going to be fifty basis points? You know, 
According, him, according to Bloomberg and what we read in the last show, it is going to be. It is. And according to like their, their end of the year projections, it was. But he wasn't definitive on it. He's like, we still want to see the, da- the data. Apparently, there's, I believe, two consumer price index reports that will be coming out by, mm-hmm. by then. So they'll have a lot of data to reflect on, unemployment rates and job reports and, and whatnot. So there's still a lot to come. So a really, really smart economist that I happen to be chatting with that does not want to be named on the show because he doesn't want to be associated with such degenerates like you and me. Yeah. We were talking in general about kind of the, the theory of raising the Fed interest rate, the borrowing rate, and inflation, specifically poor inflation. Yes. And his argument was the Fed likes to look at that because they truly believe you won't start to see inflation come down until core inflation. Mm-hmm is less than the Fed funds borrowing rate. Right, because it's what they were calling negative interest rates. Correct. Right. So because of that, people are suggesting that this 5% Fed funds target rate that we're currently looking at Mm -hmm. is going to be moved up over the course of the next year if inflation doesn't start making some significant headway down in the PCE, the core inflation reports. Right, exactly. So getting back to the same article that the 10 Democratic uh, individuals were so willing and happy to write to Jerome Powell, the exact same day Mm -hmm. that article came out, the exact same day that that letter was sent, which by the way, if you send a letter in a day and the article comes out the same day, you as a consumer should be like, wait a minute. Yeah, hold on. Hold did they did they write that article and then tell the press we're writing this article yeah, and then yeah, put exactly. the stamp on it and mail it in front of me? Like right, well, that, right, that, that whole right, right. setup is suspect or is sus, as the kids say. <laughs> that same day, literally within hours, an article by Fortune came out titled "All the Economic Experts Are at a Loss on the Eve of the Midterms." Quote: The data is all over the map. End quote. Not really. So not really, but I'm going to read one sentence from the, that's how valuable I found this article. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna read. <laughs> I got one thing for you. <laughs> I got one thing for you. And there's three huge points that are going to come out of this really, really small sentence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Help wanted signs are everywhere. Employers are posting nearly two job openings for every unemployed American. Mm. Hiring is on track for its second strongest year in government records dating back to 1940. Mm. And the economy grew solidly over the summer. Mm-hmm. So, kids, what do we know? Yeah. There are three things that just jumped out. And I'm going to add a fourth just because I'm, I'm a cynical, evil bastard. One, the Democrats are completely full of shit on this one with the letter. That was clearly to buy votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The timing syncs up. But more importantly than that, there is pressure in the markets that we are simply just refusing to accept. And before I tell you the three things... I'm going to read one more article because I think it segues nicely. Okay. Because I'm segueing myself today. Okay. Decide you're just here to look pretty and sound sultry. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, you looking pretty and sound yeah, sultry? Yeah. Yes, sir. Look me in the orbits of my eye sockets when uh-huh. you say that. All right, a second article from Bloomberg. Not a whole lot to add here other than I want you to, I want you to hear one sentence again. Actually, technically two. Stocks under pressure as yields climb before jobs markets wrap. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, jobs colon markets wrap, whatever. It doesn't matter. I can't read it for shit. So basically what they're saying is that the stocks were under pressure as yields started to go up. The treasury started to rise. The treasuries were rising ahead of what we know is coming tomorrow, which is an updated jobs report. Jobs report, exactly. That's coming out the day after we record this podcast. You're listening to this now on the the Tuesday afterwards. This number has already come out. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote from this article. Stocks fell before Friday's job data with traders betting that the Federal Reserve will hold rates at a higher level for a longer period of time to tame inflation 
at the expense of economic growth. The pound, as in England's currency, sank as the Bank of England told investors to weigh in expectations for hikes. And Jesus, why can't I read one in front yeah, of you? Exactly. It's, it's so bad. Reading right. rainbow. Reading rainbow. So here, let's get, to the, let's get to the three points I want to drive home. Okay, point number one. The jobs report that comes out tomorrow mm-hmm. is really largely irrelevant. Yeah. We're starting to see mobility in this elasticity back in the economy. Mm-hmm. So these types of run-ups yeah. to data coming out, those are normal. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see some normality return. But that first 1%, that second you know, 2%, these increases that we've had over time with the Fed funds rate, that didn't get us there. But now we're starting to see some normal behavior in the markets. Right. So this elasticity, this sanity, it's returning to the markets. And these things that we're, we're getting articles and these big headlines for, mm-hmm. they're not crazy. They're not weird. They're just things that we haven't experienced in a prolonged period of time because we held the rates artificially low and removed all this elasticity from the economy. Yeah, exactly. And Jerome Powell in that press conference after the FOMC meeting also said that the biggest challenge for them was the labor market and how very strong it was. And mm-hmm. he doubled down, it's very strong. And, th- and, and that's where everybody who's like saying, well, the Fed isn't being data-driven. Yes, they are. The yeah. data they're looking at, jobs, is not moving. And by the outside world's admission, the projected pro forma number is a 0.7% increase in literally 14 months. Right. So they're not expecting to see any of these big movements they're making, these historical movements they're making in the Fed funds borrowing rate, right. have a significant impact for a prolonged period of time. Right. And some food for thought, if we don't get those numbers coming down, and unemployment doesn't go up, and wages don't come down, neither does inflation. Right, exactly. So we're looking at a very, very long period of time, a much more painful time than I think a lot of people realize. And that's the next thing, the next, the second of the three things I wanted to point out. The Fed has said for at least six months now, within their meetings, with their outward press conferences afterward, that they will hold rates for a prolonged period of time. But they've been yeah. very ambiguous what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Everybody's speculating right now whether or not the Fed is done raising rates. Is it, are they going to raise them more? Yeah. What's going to happen? Why are we? Why are we so worried about whether they're done raising rates or not? Let me tell you. He does not care if he over tightens. And he actually said in the presser, he said, "If we do over tighten, we have tools at our disposal that we can use. As in, we could print more money again and just have have it free flowing again." I'm having flashbacks of printing money. I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm yeah. Twitching. I mean, he, that's what he said in the meeting. He he does not care about over tightening. But that is the right thing to do. And I think it's so weird for people to hear it because the Fed started off not doing the right thing and is now back on course with the right thing. But right. so many smart people are, are really pushing back against this. And and to kind of wrap up that point, this was so widely known. But so many of these smart people that should know better were mm-hmm. in total de- denial, and some still are as it relates to what the Fed is doing. Right. But more and more smart people, economists, business people, people that are just, you know, fanboys like us who are Mm -hmm. into this kind of space, they're starting to accept that this is real. I'll tell you who's not, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. That's called foreshadowing Mm -hmm. in business, kids. Now, the trends are showing that they are coming down. The job reports are showing jobs added in July, 528,000. In August, 315,000. In September, 260,000. So they are going down. But still, there are... Two job openings for every one unemployed person. But I believe that's going to change, and I think we're already starting to see that. Yeah. And we'll talk about some yeah. of the layoffs and stuff we've, soon. We've been seeing a lot of layoffs, actually, that came out today and yesterday. Today and yesterday. And I think when we talked about October being a very pivotal month for the economy, 
I still think that it was for a lot of reasons that we're now starting to see, but I think we're starting to see the volume of data come in mm -hmm. and things like layoffs and all that start to really, really happen as of today, November, because if you don't do it now, you're certainly not going to start letting people off in December, you know, holiday season, right? right so exactly. This was kind of the last chance to do it for your year end reporting for your balance sheet. Yeah. That's, that's really why you're seeing it as of November one. Makes sense. And I have to point this out as a third thing with those two previous articles that it's important for everybody to understand. Jim Cramer, Mad Money's host. He is 100% wrong 100% of the time. I've, yeah, I've never heard you say he's actually right about this. I don't, I don't recall he's ever been right about anything. Yeah. I mean, there, there are literally reverse Kramer funds that they, they, <laughs> they, they invest their money doing the exact opposite of what Kramer, and they make money. No. They crush. <laughs> they, this is real. This is not even me being sarcastic. There are people who literally go, okay, Jim Kramer said this. We're going to do the opposite, and we're going to bet 100000 and they make money doing this. How funny. Routinely. How okay. Funny. So he said the Bank of England was doing it right for backing off monetary policy. Mm. We should be just like that. He went on a whole diatribe. I remember. We talked about it on the show. Yeah, and I was pissed off because I was like, who the hell? Why would you think that's the right thing to do? Right. Well, guess what? The inverse Kramer fund strikes again 100% wrong 100% of the time. The Fed, England just had a 75 base point increase is going back to doing this because the, the, the pound, as I read in the previous quote, yeah. the last sentence, is taking it a pounding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what you did there. Yeah, you see what I did there? Yeah. All right, so a couple different places we can pivot to. I, trust me, all of this stuff this week relates to one another, so there really isn't anything that's kind of off the beaten path. Shall we go, what do you want to go to? You want to go to unemployment stuff? You want to, uh, the, uh, the layoffs? Or do you want yeah, to go to since we referenced it, let's go, let's go into the unemployment stuff. Okay. So I know we both caught a lot of this. Actually, I was actually frustrated because I went to go post the open door one and it was already in here. Got you. You got you got here. But You got to move fast, bro. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I know. But the first one that we'll, we'll touch on is uh, your boy Elon. Elon coming in saying, 50% of y'all gone. Yeah, yeah. 50%. 50%. Think about mm -hmm. that. As he's selling $8 for, for verification with his new Twitter Blue service. Yeah, you're going to crush it with that too. There, yeah. there, there are so many things that are, that are wrong about people complaining about it. I know. How do I know if that person's authentic and really a thought leader? <laughs> Why the fuck do you care if anybody's got a blue check mark? That doesn't make him a yeah, thought leader. Exactly. Like, yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? Like, exactly. like, that's on you. It is on you. Uh, so, Twitter. Right? 50% loss. Stripe. Why did you look confused when you said Twitter a second time right there? Open, open door. 18% layoff. 18% layoff, but there's a follow-up article. You see the follow-up article? I did. I was gonna, that's my segue for you. Oh, that was cute. Open door post nearly a $1 billion loss. Mm. The San Francisco-based iBuyer reported a net loss of $928 million in the third quarter, more than 17 times what it lost in the second quarter, the company said Thursday. In earnings, in an earnings release, I will say Q1, the whole Zillow partnership thing, whatever the hell that was they had going on is going to start opening up and they're going to have some, I guess, additional income streams. But I have long been critical of Open Door and Open Door fanboys have attacked me like viciously mm. on like things like Twitter. Like you just, you just do a hashtag Open Door and be like, oh, gosh, you know, Open Door is not like that great of a company. They will come after you. Yeah. And there, there's one dude in particular who's like a. A weird nerd who writes for you know Seeking Alpha, and he's a doctor, and he 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 grilled me on like he was came at me like horribly like wow. vicious. And I'm sitting here going like, bro, like they're not profitable, right? But certain people really really believe that this is the future. And what I'll tell you is, is between the layoffs and this, yeah, I have worked with Open Door in the past, and when you put an offer in, they're not very responsive because they just don't have enough people as before the layoffs. Wow. So now you're going to lay off 18% of, of your staff? Right. So your, your customer service is going to suck yeah, now. It's, yeah, it's, it's going it, it to suck before. Yeah, it's going to be much worse. And then you, you also got Lyft laying off 13%. Mm. And then you got Stripe. 
that's going to lay off 14%. So what I, what I did find interesting about Stripe, though, as I looked into it, they're, uh, they're giving all these people that they're laying off a severance package that I thought was worth noting. That I thought, okay, at least they're doing this, right? And I wanted to read it to you. So the severance that they're going to pay, they're actually going to pay people 14 weeks of severance for all their departing employees. Which is an uncharacteristically long period of time. I feel like it's noteworthy. Let's not give them a bad rap that they're cutting off these. But they're also sending them off with a nice little. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like weird because when you lay people off, you're generally doing it because you're trying to maintain profitability and you see what's on the horizon. You can do it proactively before you have like real significant losses. But. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, is sometimes they do it based on seniority, but for some of these newer tech companies like this, seniority yeah. isn't a whole lot of time. So, I mean, it, look, 14, 14 weeks is, is pretty yeah. fair. They're going to be given their bonuses, their unused PTO, which we know. You, End of the year bonus. Yeah. yeah. PTO is required by law. Required by law. But then this one was cool. We'll pay the cash equivalent of six months of existing healthcare premiums. Yeah. And I feel, here's, here's the thing. I feel great about that. And like you're taking care of the people's healthcare and their families for, for, you know, six months. But here's mm-hmm. the problem. They're laying you off now. Who's going to hire you before year end? The yeah. tech space has been decimated. I mean, yeah. they, they've been hit really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So that really gives them four months after the new year to find a job. I mean, it sounds better than it actually is. Yeah. And then I'll leave you with this. This is a quote from them. We were much too optimistic about the Internet's economy's near-term growth in 2022 and 2023 and underestimated both the likelihood and impact of broader slowdown. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> hey, my bad, y'all. We were wrong. Yeah, we jumped the gun. Should have hired y'all. My bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it's better than sending out an email saying uh, we fucked up. <laughs> but that's what happened. I mean, look, and look, they're not the only ones. A lot of people, I guess, again, kind of referencing what I said before. A lot of smart people, yeah, were in total denial about this, and a lot of those smart people were in positions to make budget calls for some of these companies, and they didn't see it coming. Yeah. I get that. But what I'll say what I'll say to that is 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 look, they're owning up to it on some level, but it's gonna be really hard for a lot of these people to find jobs, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be really, really hard. I, I hope for them that that some of them can get like banking or, or for maybe some other fintech related jobs that aren't struggling as much. Yeah, but it's it's certainly gonna be a, a bit of a challenge. Right. So to transition to a much rosier topic. Okay. One of my favorite economists has long been Milton Friedman. So Saeed's envious of Milton because he has a Nobel. Mm-hmm. He was an American economist and statistician who received the 1976 Nobel Memorial Prize in economic science for his research on consumption analysis, monetary history, and theory, and the complexity of stabilization policy. I can go on, but let's suffice it to say this dude is a whole hell of a lot smarter than Saeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he put together what I thought was a really, really, really good reference as it relates to the economy and alcoholism. Yeah. Let's play it. Inflation is just like alcoholism in both cases, when you start drinking or when you start printing too much money. The good effects come first. The bad effects only come later. That's why in both cases, there's a strong temptation to overdo it, to drink too much and to print too much money. When it comes to the cure, it's the other way around. When you stop drinking or when you stop printing money, the bad effects come first and the good effects only come later. Damn. Damn. Came out hard. You can't, I mean, you can't break it down any better than that. But I think, I think that to summarize and make it sound as stupid as, as Saeed and I are, especially me. Yeah, of course we have to relate it to drinking in order for it to make sense. <laughs> We're not actually drinking tonight. No, I'm actually proud of us. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. You're sober for a day. Me too. Cheers. You're very weird. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Not cheers. Uh, 
printing liquidity is a drug. Mm -hmm. To give people this easier access to capital and money to spend in these good times can be very addictive. Yep. So when you see all these smart people in, in denial, when you see these companies making decisions that in retrospect look bad, mm -hmm. they were addicted. They, they bought into it. They, they, they fell victim to the same euphoria, that same sensation in your brain where you drink you know, caffeine. It's a drug. It gives you that dopamine release, yeah. Yeah, and, and I know he doesn't specifically refer to it that way, but it's certainly, it's certainly going to be a very, very big problem for a lot of people in, in a number of of different industries and we're starting to see it really become much more prevalent now consumer spending starting to pull back i think it was uh meta just said that they're going to not do their 528 something thousand square foot property in, right. in austin so everybody's pulling back and you're starting to see a lot of this impact the tertiary markets but even if we go through next year and even if the fed only has one more 50 basis point increase and they hold rates there's going to be a lot more triage on the horizon. And if there's not, like we've talked about on previous shows, mm -hmm. this is going to be very long and right. very painful. And it goes back to what we've been talking about before. I think people have gotten used to this and they think this is the new norm, right? But I was watching something on Patrick Bet David's page the other day. Mm -hmm. and I like him a lot. Yeah. And he actually pulled up interest rates for like the past 30, 40 years. You know, for a decade, interest rates on a 30-year fixed mortgage were above 10%. Yeah. yeah. Like, people just don't know that or have forgotten about it. That was 10 years. Yeah, it was a long period of time. And that, that's, that's the euphoria that we, the high that we've gotten. We, everybody, there are still articles today coming out saying, oh, you know, as soon as, as, soon as the Fed holds rates, we're going to see a refinance boom. And we're going to see people get back in the market. And I'm like, what, what world are you living in? Yeah, exactly. Like, what is this, what premise is this? Give me some kind of economic theory. Mm -hmm. I know not everybody can be like Saeed and, you know, be a Nobel contender, but it's like, Jesus, man, what are you basing this on? I hope people know we're just joking about this. We're not joking. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get you that Nobel if it's the last damn thing I do. Oh, I'm going to have people hanging on my every word like, you're wrong about that one, motherfucker. The first Nobel Prize winner in podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he had an economic podcast where he uh, taught the world that uh, he deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> so before we leave the whole uh, layoff thing, I did want to cover a little bit about Wells Fargo's layoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, the bank had about 18,000 loans in its retail origination pipeline in the early week of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm according to people with knowledge of the company's figures. That is down as much as 90% from a year ago when the COVID pandemic fueled house, a housing boom that was in full swing, said the people are familiar with the situation. Yeah. So Wells Fargo's had a number of, of layoffs and they've braced for more layoffs, but 90% drop off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's massive. I, I can't recall if we uh, covered it on a previous episode or a recent episode, but you know, mortgage applications are down 42%. When compared to the same time last year, that's the lowest level since 1997, right? Existing yeah. home sales down for eight straight months. I mean, something's going to have to give, right? Well, it already is. So, um, and companies like Wells Fargo, I mean, I've worked there. I know what it was like. You're only as good as, you know, today. What'd you do today? Wow. It's cold blooded. Yeah, they are it's, cold blooded it's like true, that. Yeah. It's true. I remember when I was a teller there back in the day, if like you didn't balance like the penny, like <laughs> yeah. you were done. That's it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, was, exactly. it wasn't like a write up. It was like, Congratulations, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was not uncommon for like a teller to have cash in their pocket. Right. From just bringing it in just in no, case. I mean, and they would fill the drawer if something was missing and they just try to figure it out. Like, for, for me, when I, when I was there, they were making tellers uh, push sales. 
and you'd have to offer every single person that walked up to your window, you had to offer them a credit card. Even if I knew this person had no idea how to balance their credit or balance their checkbooks or have a credit card or manage their credit, they had no idea. So I would be like, this is not a good product for them. I'm not going to do it. And they would say, it's in your job, it's in your job description to sell. Like, come on, man, get me out of here. Did you get paid like, commissions on that too? Yeah, it's nominal though. But for like a college kid, it was it was worth it. Like, I think every you would get paid commissions out at the end of every quarter, and it was like a couple hundred bucks. You know, nothing crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, it was a couple, I mean, you know, they, I mean, considering they were, they were charging like 20 percent in some of these cases on this credit card. Right? Oh, yeah, were, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you could like kick down a hundred bucks a pop or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some, yeah, just whatever. So right across the stat, I didn't have a whole bunch of time to research this in like the grand scheme of the entire country, but I definitely looked at Texas. I looked at California, I looked at New York. I looked at um, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There are 1.4 million realtors in the United States. 800,000 have not closed a deal this year. <sighs> More than half. Now, granted, there are some people that are part-time. Some people just have their license. They don't use it. They use it for just their own businesses. A lot of, a lot of room there for but 800,000? More than half. Yeah. Not closed a single deal this year. Right. I think the entire space for realtors is gonna gonna really, really be proven out to be those who who have the talent. Especially when the first half of the year was hot. Hot. Yeah. Super hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's crazy. I mean, you couldn't even get an offer in some of these places. I swear. Like, so we sold it in 20 seconds after we listed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Wish you were here early. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how ridiculous it was, Seriously, right? And, yeah. And now it's at a point where it's just it's insane. Uh and I've seen a lot of people saying to me recently, you know, about buying a home. Do they do this right now? What do they do? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play something. It's another clip. And this is actually making the fucking rounds on social media. And I'm, I am not happy about this because mm-hmm. I've had like three or four people send this to me. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you send this to me after hearing this show i know you hate me yeah yeah because the fact that this is becoming so widely abused is pathetic let's go and i'm saying pathetic in a hurtful way because i want it to be hurtful i want everybody to hear this to know do not do that do not believe this do not actually send this to your friends even as a joke it's not funny it's cruel and unusual punishment okay that's what's happening you're on the fence about buying a home right now because of the raising interest rates Check out what Dave Ramsey has to say about this. Well, interest rates are up. Buy the house. If interest rates come back down, refinance. Yeah. But don't not buy waiting on interest rates to come down. Just refinance the mortgage if interest rates come down. This is the best time to buy a house in the next five years. What in the actual fucking... Stop. What is going on? So he's changed his rhetoric from, from the home prices will not go down. They're, they're never, never going to go down now. Now, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's insane. You know, I've got 44,000 years in the business mm-hmm. and now it's switched to now is the best time to buy home prices. Are, now is the best time to buy refinance the rate. Yeah, well, we, we covered it on our previous episode. So I got stuff here too. home prices are down 7% from its peak nationally. Okay, some some areas it's even more like we reference Zillow's projecting some areas to go down 25 percent. And frankly, their estimate of going down is based on a six and a half percent average rate across the country next year. We're already above seven percent now. And if rates go up, 
as high as they're going to go. Zillow's estimate is really, really low compared to where I think this could 100%. go. hundred percent. San Jose is already at 10%. San Francisco's over at nine, 10%. So, I mean, it's going down. I don't understand. <laughs> How could he, he's just blatantly lying to his listeners. No, he's not blatantly lying to his listeners for no reason. He's blatantly lying to his re- listeners for two reasons. One, he can still have referrals to his real estate, realtor network. Right. And two, he has people that he also refers refinance transactions to. So he gets paid when you buy the property and he gets paid when you refinance the property. Right. These are all, this is such clickbait bullshit. And what bothers me. No integrity. Man. Is not the fact that he says this. Okay. He's not the one who made this. That was just his audio. What bothers me. What pains me. It makes, it makes me want to ram my groin into a doorknob. Okay. <laughs> is that realtors are literally taking this. And they're doing like video tours of their property and playing this as the background of their clip. This oh, is like the fifth God. time with a, like a fifth different realtor. Someone sent this to me and they're literally putting the, the words up like motivational quotes as they tour the property they're selling. And it's like, how convenient for you, man, how convenient for you that don't wait to buy, buy the house, right. buy the house. And it's like, dude, what, what mess based on what data? Right. Now we've talked about it on the show. If you need to buy a house for utility reasons, then go ahead. That, that's different. That's a whole nother thing. So but this is not but, caveated with that. This, right. this is just a blatant, malicious, like taking advantage of the consumer, using the voice of somebody that most Americans unfortunately trust. Yeah. And weaponizing it against them to get business in. Yeah. This, this is, is a sales trick. If this is your realtor, you should drop them. Easy as that. I mean, I, I'll. Oh, God. And then, and then I'm getting people now who are forwarding to me saying, why do I think of you when I hear this? And I said, I'll tell you why you think of me. Because <laughs> yeah. I do an amazing Dave Ramsey voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why. Right spot on. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to do that, you know, because I got to tell you, he sounds like an asshole. Respect. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can pivot to a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways from here. But I, I think one of the things that, that came out with GDP was... A little bit of how the exports and the strong dollar were really propping up our gross domestic product. But really what did it was government spending. Yeah. And we have not seen a slowdown in government spending at all. Right. There was a time where government spending was a lot if it was a billion. Mm-hmm. We spent trillions of dollars. Yeah. And leading up to where we're at now, you have the Inflation Reduction Act, you have student debt forgiveness you've mm-hmm. got a war going on all the things we talked about in prior episodes well if jobs aren't coming down yep and we're spending all this money which is propping up inflation yep and we think pro forma projections are going to end the year at a 4.4 percent unemployment of 2023 yeah which is still below five percent a healthy number yes what does that mean for 2024 yeah this thing is going to be dragged out i think through 2024 into 2025 unless something breaks yeah unless something breaks and gives we talk about that a lot mm-hmm. i i am beginning to see signs of something breaking okay this is not in the show notes this is just raw unfiltered site nobel prize winner site oh hit, right me, here hit me with it the liquidity being drawn out of the markets is being drawn out at an accelerated rate mm-hmm. but the consumers aren't pulling back a lot of things are happening that are that are questioning how far we can take these push debt levels to now, this isn't the subprime mortgage crisis, certainly not that. But now with unemployment spiking up, I think this is going to be a liquidity and consumer debt crisis. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be the mortgage payments. It's going to be all the other payments that people have. Yeah. I mean, we talk about credit card debt. 
going through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, record setting numbers for non household debt is record setting. Yeah, yeah. non household debt, and then people record setting opening credit cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, I, I I completely agree with that. So this is going to cause an interesting conundrum. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sober. That's the, yeah. that's the crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. It's going to cause an interesting conundrum in the markets because you're going to see consumers have to make a choice. Traditionally speaking, consumers have pulled back their spending mm-hmm. to protect where they live. Yeah. But we know from previous articles and previous times we've read them that, you know, about 30-something percent, 31 percent of people are considering moving to a cheaper location right now. Yeah. Because of the cost of living. Yeah. How much can the economy stand of that? Because people are unwilling to sell their property or they don't want to sell and go into the markets and then have to buy it on their own. Where, where do the consumers sit? Because traditionally they have protected their home. Yeah. Will I think, that I think, continue? I think, I think they will continue to protect their home because the rates they have on their homes are so low. And look, for now, there's still job openings left and right, right? If, so, you, if you were to lose your job, like the people that we mentioned earlier in the show, I feel like they could still be able to find themselves a job to cover their mortgage. I'm not saying they can cover all their payments, right? But okay. I mean, I think people are more, um, it's, it's more likely for them to cover the expenses for, of their home so they don't lose their home and maybe, I don't know, give somewhere else. Okay, so then that means we're going to head into a bankruptcy crisis possibly. Mm-hmm. Where we're going to see an unprecedented number of, of bankruptcies, consumer bankruptcies. I would not be surprised with that. And possibly corporate bankruptcies. Okay. Normally, you would see companies like Open Door. They'll they'll get propped up by investors and they'll they'll make it there. But you normally don't see a lot of these big companies fail. Are we going to see more of that? Can the government actually afford to bail any anybody in any sector out at this point? Especially knowing what happened in the Great Recession with the bailouts there and how stigmatized those were then, right? To now, I mean, I, I don't know. But we wind up in a situation where there's clearly mounting debt. Clearly, the, the whole point is to bring jobs out of the market and creep unemployment up, which even by the, everybody's suggestion to the pro forma, it's not going to happen. By, by the Democrats, Democrats, 10 people who sent their letter, you know, mm-hmm. they're waiting. They're, they're saying 4.4% next year is crazy. Well, is it? And even if, the, even if that happens, that's not a lot. No. So people can still find jobs. There's two jobs for every one employee, a million people. That's, that sounds terrible, someone losing their job. I'm just looking at all this stuff saying, okay, well, unless we get to the point where the banking system is so unbelievably stressed, mm-hmm. because here's what happens. We talked about in previous episodes. Banks make money on the net interest margin, the, the, the arbitrage of making loans right. and charging a higher interest rate and taking in your deposits and giving you a lower interest rate. The right. difference between that low interest rate and their high interest rate is their profit. Exactly. But banks can't make loans with money they do not have. Exactly. And their cost of borrowing has gone up because the Fed funds rate is actually their cost of borrowing. Right. And th- they can't pull together a group of loans to sell off because there's no one out there to buy them. And if you did sell at this point in time with an interest rate increasing environment, mm-hmm. as the yield on loans or their interest rates go up, right. the loans you have on your books at lower interest rates are worth less in the economy. Exactly. In an interest rate decreasing economy, it works out great. If you make a loan at 6% this week and next week the rates are 5%, you now, you now have a loan at 1% above market. You can sell that for a premium. Someone will pay you extra money for that. Yeah. Well, in this particular market, you can't really do that. So what do, what do banks do? They have to pull back their lending. Yeah. And you're seeing that. Wells Fargo, whether they want it or not, the demand's low. But they're going to have to pull back in other places, too, as liquidity is pulled out of their bank. Yeah. So now banks aren't going to lend as much. That's Yeah, that's the next step. 
it's already happening. You're, you're seeing closing of construction lending groups. You're seeing construction. You're seeing consumer lending stuff pull back. You're seeing a lot of this go by the wayside. And there's an old adage in the banking space, which is sad, but somewhat true. When you need money, you can't get a loan. But when you don't need it, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we're headed into that period. Mm -hmm. And with this pullback already, because there's pressure on the system, which is ultimately going to affect the consumer, but the system is feeling it before the consumer. How does the consumer bail themselves out? I don't know if they can. The only way they bail themselves out is to sell that property. Yeah. They have to. This equity that they've, they've built in over time. Yeah. Even though they have a super low rate, you're going to have to bite that bullet. That's the only way out. Because if you have a bankruptcy and you want to try to protect your home, good luck. Right. If you got, you know, a million dollars in equity in your property or half a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, whatever you got in that property, it's going to get tapped at some point. So I think that's what breaks. I think so the consumer gets so in trouble. So you think this will now flip on its head and then we could ultimately have a excess of supply in the real estate side because a lot of people have to start listing and selling Access their Access is tough, man. There's not enough units in the single family market to really warrant that. But I, I do think that we're going to see the typical four to six months balanced market of supply on the market yeah. in the upcoming, not long future. I think by 2024, you're there. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying, oh, there's a shortage of supply, all these buyers. Blah, blah. I don't think there's going to be enough buyers in the market. So then if it happens in 2024, then maybe the prices only come down, you know, another 10, 15%. No, no. I think they still, I think they still continue to stay down. I think, yeah. I think people, so I think it was Patrick Bet David actually, who said this on, on his show that he thought that if you want to buy a house now, go ahead, buy a house, but don't offer what you want to offer what you think oh, it's yeah, worth yeah. today Off, offer what you think it's worth in a year from now exactly if you win the house great if you don't that's okay too yeah but make sure you're making offers where you think the value is going to go not where it's at today yep sounded that sounded it's sound advice it's practical you probably won't win <laughs> big asterisk yeah, yeah you yeah. probably won't win and you're going to be looking for that needle in the haystack because if, if you're if you're a seller in this market and you start getting offers like that it's it goes back to what we said you're better off just leasing it yeah yeah but I'll tell you, I think it's going to take a long time for the consumer to get comfortable with the current rent rate environment. And I don't think a, I don't think a year is going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't, if we actually hit the ten percent rates, which is looking like a very very strong probability. I'm banking on it at this point. I don't know when, but we're getting there. Yeah, if we if we get there, yeah. it's going to take a whole hell of a long time maybe for consumers to Q2 go. Q two of next year. I mean, maybe even before then. Keep in mind the the last Fed interest rate increase mm -hmm. increased. Well, that can my other activity increase the mortgage market rates 1% in one month. Yeah. From September to October, 1% increase. Mm -hmm. Right. We went from effectively a 6% average to a 7%, 7.02% average. Yeah. In one month. This new one has this new, this one that just happened right. a couple days ago. Yesterday, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yesterday has seen the treasury markets move much faster in the lead up to it. Right. And afterward. Right. And the treasury markets now moving ahead of the jobs report tomorrow. These are much quicker. So mm -hmm. we could certainly get to 10% by the, even the end of the year. Right. There's one more Fed interest rate increase coming this year. One more. Yeah. December 14th, I believe it is. Um, and they'll have two. They'll have tomorrow's jobs report and another jobs report beginning of December. And they'll have two CPI reports. I think another PCE report. Core inflation. Yeah. yeah. Core inflation. So they'll, get, they'll have all that to, to reference. And it'll probably teeter on 50 basis points or 75. Even though Bloomberg's coming out saying 50 now, because I think that was just basic math on where they said they were planning on ending by the end of the year. 
But I mean, I w- would you be surprised at this point if they did another seventy-five basis points? No. Yeah. I really, I really would not. Yeah. And I think, I think they're going to give some strong pause to going down to fifty, mm-hmm. because I think the market will then assume that the next interest rate increase will be fifty or twenty-five. That's a huge signal, that. right? You're, you're signaling the market a, a pullback, and I think there's going to be a bit of a rally mm-hmm. around that on some level, and that would be a false rally because they're going to hold these rates. Yeah, yeah. I, and I strongly believe that a 75% probability, although I, again, we've read it on, on the previous uh, episode that the, even though Bloomberg and a lot of people are predicting 50 basis points by the end of the year, and that's long been thought to be the, the probability, I still think there's a strong and significant chance that it's 75 at the next one. Yeah. It really depends on the next prints. I don't feel comfortable making a guess right now. Yeah. But 50 to 75, I think, is an absolute guarantee. I believe that they said that their projected end target rate was going to be 5%. Mm-hmm. And if we're, we're yeah. yeah, we're now at four. So if, if you think that there's going to be at least two more rate hikes, then it's what? It'd be like 50 and 50, and then a hold, right? I think uh, last I checked Bloomberg, it was 50 basis points on the next one, and then the next two were 25, and then it was like a long hold where yeah. no, no change for right. pretty much all 2023. Yeah, that was on, we covered that in the last episode. So yeah. It's nice to know that you listen to me every once in a while. Yeah, you know, buddy. As a Nobel Prize winner like yourself, a future laureate <laughs> that that you that you take the time to consider the little guy. Yeah, it makes me feel really good about myself. Mm. I'm really does. Should yeah yeah. I want to play. You had something on Sam Zell. I do want to play that, but you gave me such shit about his voice. I I just feel like the I, once you play it and if the listeners like it, they can let us know. There's a problem though. I didn't tell you. Oh, oh no! I, now I don't want to tell you because I, I know how this is going to go. You're going to be all mad and be all sensitive on the show. Oh, people hear your soft emotional side, and, <laughs> and I don't want to ruin your image. Your, oh, your brand is being yeah. like you know, the G. <laughs> so, That's my brand. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm the arrogant one, and you're like you know the soft spoken, the G. Yeah, okay. The Nobel Prize winner, I'm with the laureate. That. Okay, the laureate. Yeah, I like that. That's what I'm calling you. The yeah, laureate. The laureate. It's five minutes. It's that's it's a, a lot. It's, that's it's a, five minutes. No one gonna listen to that, bro. <laughs> it's a good five minutes, though. He says a lot of stuff. If you can get past the fact that he sounds like Kermit the Frog, yeah, yeah. like it's a good five minutes. Yeah, he's dropping knowledge. It's a lot of knowledge. And Sam Zell's a billionaire. It's worth about six billion. Predominantly real estate, former attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, he, he's he's an older gentleman now, and he sounds like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, but he's got a lot of knowledge to pass down. Okay. A lot of knowledge, and he says a lot of things that I think are very valuable for for everybody on the show to listen to. But Saeed didn't want me to play. He That's said, not true. That's not true. You told me you wanted me before we hit the record button. You literally said to me, "I was like, let's no just g- recap it." <laughs> That's what you said. You heard his voice for literally thirty seconds, and you're like, "Hey, man, nobody wants to hear this shit." Okay, at this point, everyone's wanting to hear it. N- n- <laughs> <laughs> Let's okay. go. Run it. Okay. And then run it. And then if, and if you agree with Saeed, let Chris know in his DMs. And if you agree with Chris, don't let me know. My no, 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 no. Hold on. Before, before we do this, I want to I want to do one thing. I want to say, like, look, okay, <laughs> if you don't like this, just turn the volume down on whatever device you're listening to and stay through. Because what Saeed's going to do, he's going to go back to the analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to say, Chris, everybody fucking jumped off Retention. When, when Kermit the Frog <laughs> started talking, okay? Yeah. Retention rate at 45 minutes exactly just dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to at least get to 50 minutes because Sam Zell's going to talk for five. <laughs> but, they, but they might not want to listen the whole day. All right, so... If, if anybody ever had special effects or sound effects for our show, we should play like the Sesame Street intro because it would be perfect. For yeah, this. yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. We have heard um, from a number of business leaders who have been very concerned about the Fed's uh, rate hikes, the level we're getting to, saying that it's already having a big impact on business and potentially putting us in a recession if we're not already in one. What, what's your take on this? Because I know as recently as July, you were still thinking the Fed had some room to run. Yeah, I, uh, I think the <laughs> Fed is doing all the right things. 
I can't. I can't. Uh, reflective of the fact that the Fed didn't do all the right things earlier this year, uh, the concept of transitory inflation uh, is pretty awful. Uh, and I've never heard that phrase before, and I'm sure they'll never use it again. Uh, but, you know, you know, we, we over flooded this society with capital. We debased, a, you know, a, a fiat currency. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, what was it, $8 trillion that we did in three years? I mean, used to do, you know, stuff in Congress was a billion dollars, and that was a big deal. A trillion dollars? And how could you not expect that to create inflation? And, and, and not only a minor inflation, but, you know, 10% inflation is a serious scenario. And I'm not even sure that that's really reflective of how much inflation has really existed. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm stopping this early. Hold on. Oh, hold on. God, I'm, I'm crying. I'm, 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 I'm crying over here. That's so bad. He looks like Yoda. <laughs> hey, this is so disrespectful. He, he looks this like is, Yoda. Hold on. So I swear sorry. to God, we have more respect for him. No, I did a ton of respect. I mean, Yoda was a G. Like, I mean, Yoda, he, yep. but he looks like Yoda and sounds like Kermit. It's oh, fucked up. It's not, this, this, he's, he's a brilliant man, and he's way more successful than I will ever be. Maybe not the Nobel Prize laureate over there, but... but. It's it's hard to ignore what it is. I feel terrible. I'm, yeah, a, I'm a bad human. No, come on. You got to run it back up. I'm a bad yeah, human. Round two. Well, I wanted to break down what he said so we can get past the whole, you know, Sesame Street vibe. But, um. Jesus. <laughs> 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 You're terrible. You're a terrible human being. You're so, terrible. So, so, You're so, so hurtful. Someone's going to look him up and they're going to think we're assholes. And it's yeah. true. We are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so his point is well taken. The actual inflation rate it's got to be higher than 10%. We, we've we've su- talked about how crazy all the things are above the average number, which, you know, the inflation is really calculated as an average. Travel's up 40-something percent. Food costs, energy costs, energy, you know, food at home costs. All these things are up mm-hmm. so, so much. So it should come as no surprise that his, his point is well taken. We, we've We've printed so, so much money. The economy got so high off of it. And if that real inflation number is even higher, it's going to take much, much longer. So by way of example, if we think real inflation is closer to 20%, mm-hmm. not 10, yeah, and we think real core inflation is closer to 12 or 15%, yeah. and we've talked about in the earlier part of the show that the general kind of rumored mentality of the Fed is you got to get their Fed funds borrowing rate above the PCE, the core inflation core number, inflation, yeah. and that real number is higher. We're not going to start to see things come down until rates get well above 10%. Right. That's a strong possibility. Yoda, right. Yoda said so. Right. And to, to, give, to give everyone an example, if you, if you can't understand what Chris is trying to say there is. Because well, I don't had, speak English? What no, the fuck if you is have, that if you, have, if you have $100 and you put it in the bank, right? And the interest rate you're getting on it is 4%, right? You made $4 at the end of the year. But if inflation is at 8%, You've now lost money. Yes. So that is that is why you need the Fed funds rate to be higher than the inflation rate in order to really fight this thing. And that's why you get a Nobel. That right there. Me and Milton Friedman, maybe. Oh God. And and Yoda. 
No, Yoda didn't get a Nobel. Let's finish this out. No, not, he, he got yeah, $6 he, billion. He can't sit, he you can't can sit have a Nobel. He, he, he can't sit at my table, bro. Okay, I'm going to play the rest of this because okay. this, this is not, not disrespectful to Yoda. <laughs> right now, you would encourage them to keep this up. What Jay Powell said yesterday was right. And that means what in terms of the pain that the economy is going to feel? Well, I think that uh, the likelihood is that we're going to have a recession. Um, frankly, that's what happens when you flood the, you flood the world with money uh, and everything is free. Uh, you lead to excess and excess ultimately leads to a recession. Can, can the Fed do it by themselves by trying to do this? Because... Other central banks, not the Bank of England, which just did 75 basis points in the last few minutes, but others. Because Jim Cramer is an idiot. Yeah. And he's always wrong. Reverse Cramer to the moon. Talk that talk. Let's continue. Central banks like the Bank of uh, the European Central Bank have kind of indicated that they're going to pivot a little bit because of how bad the recession there is anticipated. And I just wonder the resolve that you're going to have in the Federal Reserve and other places if the global recession really starts to, to pinch? Well, I, I don't think that there's ever been much of a case for unified action worldwide. Uh, and the attempts to do so have not been very successful. So I'm going to stop him there. And we're not going to listen to the full five minutes because I can't, I can't do it from, from a, real, yeah. a real honest, legitimate perspective at this point because we're not taking anything so seriously. That's mm-hmm. how I mean. But what he is saying is absolutely dead-ass accurate and, and articulated very well for a man of his age and his position in life to be that, frankly, in touch with the economy yeah. is, is a really admirable thing. Uh, but he's right. We are looking at an international problem all over the world. Japan, Canada, China, yeah. Australia. I mean, everyone has their impacts right now. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a set of cir- circumstances where everyone's reacting differently. I, we saw London with their turmoil, the prime minister situation. Uh, England, they have their, their challenges and they backed off of their Fed policy. People here were like Jim Cramer, were pointing that saying that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And now they're 75 basis points. Right. I will give our Fed credit in that they have not done that. Right. They have not wavered. They started off certainly wrong. They, they waited way too long, waited way too long yep. to get to the finish line and to do what they needed to do mm-hmm. uh, in increasing interest rates. But now that they're doing it, let there be no mistake. What they're doing is the absolute right thing. Mm-hmm. This needs to be done. Jay Powell's North Star, Volcker. Yeah. He, he picked the right North Star. And frankly, Volcker's era causing a double dip recession may not cause a, a, a true double-dip recession in the context of our current econ- economy and economic mm-hmm. climate, but it, it certainly will cause a prolongated, painful one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see that as being a bad thing, frankly. How else do you get back to a normal economy? The problem is I feel like people haven't... Consumer spending hasn't really changed a whole bunch. I don't feel like people have really started to feel the squeeze yet. They haven't, but they will. But they will. So that that's why they feel like everything's still normal. What are you talking about? So um, that's that's the big issue here. So next year, when people start to feel the squeeze and the pinch, the economy starts seeing people lose their jobs. Maybe people start to file for bankruptcy. That's when the, well, they'll understand what we've been talking about. Well, there's already signs. So I, this wasn't in the show notes, but um, I've been kind of following up on it and I didn't get quite to the detail I wanted to get to, but this week, Airbnb 
had their mm-hmm. had their earnings report, earnings release come out. And in the press conference that they had, uh, their, their earnings call, I should say, they they beat earnings expectations. They did great. Mm-hmm. Airbnb is a hospitality-based business. Uh, they, they, they try to identify themselves as different. But they also revise their Q4 numbers down. Down, really? Okay. They expect there to be less spending. Mm-hmm. They traded lower. They traded up. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. It, I would say the market was a little bit surprised despite the earnings speed that they, they, they're, they're going to project a little lower. Mm-hmm. I didn't find all that sensational news to be that impressive. But what I did find interesting, buried deep in their earnings report mm-hmm. and, and their public filings, were some statements about Airbnb arbitrage. Okay. And it turns out that they are warning, essentially, people that in, in the Airbnb arbitrage space that their margins are going to get massively compressed. And they expect the arbitrage subset. Yeah to have some significant impacts. Interesting. So that in and of itself was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the, the quote wolf of Airbnb? No. So this gentleman, uh, I won't mention his name, but he was in New York. He called himself the wolf of Airbnb, Instagram, the whole thing. Okay. And he got arrested on like a wire fraud and a couple other related charges. Essentially what he did was he, he, Positioned himself and said that he was an Airbnb arbitrage guy. Basically, yeah. he would rent apartments in New York and sublease them out on Airbnb mm-hmm. and make a killing. Right. Right? Because, oh, I'm so profitable. You can make more than market rent doing this, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out he had 18 apartments in New York and all of them were sublet, except he wasn't paying the landlords. <laughs> so he was just pocketing everything. He was pocketing everything. So for 18 units on Airbnb, in New York, how much money do you think he made in one year? 18? Oh, my God. Yeah, over, a million, over a million dollars? 1.17 million. Yeah. Okay. 1.17 million renting 18 units in New York, subletting them on Airbnb. What do you think, if he were to actually have paid any of his rent, what do you think the aggregate rent would have been for the year? The aggregate rent. What do you think? Essentially, what I'm asking is what do you think uh, his profit would have been? Oh, his profit? Call it 600 grand. His total rent past due, not including like past due fees and late charge and all that stuff, uh-huh. $1 million. <laughs> so you only would have made 100, uh, 170 grand? 170 grand, yeah. Not including everything else. And who knows what his, like, his cleaning costs were, his operational costs, yeah, stuff like exactly. that. that so that kind of hit home for me. I mean, granted, you know, he made this money. He also took out a 500 and almost 600 something thousand dollar PPP loan. With fraudulent tax returns and all Jeez. sorts of other stuff. I mean, what do you expect from a guy who idolizes Jordan Belfort, who effect, effectively went to jail at the end of the, the, end of the movie? Right. Well, this guy's going to jail at the end of his movie too. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Th- this just happened literally a couple days ago, and he he got brought up on charges. Yeah, not a good idea for anyone listening thinking that's a good idea. But it gives you kind of some some vision into how this is not very profitable. No, the Airbnb arbitrage model, where you rent something, then you rent it on Airbnb, and you have to have it rented all the time. And if consumer spending does pull back and people stop spending, and I, here's the thing, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a bad person, okay? And I know we've had this conversation before, you know, off the, off the air, but I, I like room service. Yeah. I like not having to clean up. That's the whole point of me going on a vacation is I don't want to do all, like, all the dishes and everything, right? Like, uh-huh. I understand there are some elements which are more expensive. You but like staying at, at a hotel? Is what you're saying? It's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, and I'll say that like nice Airbnbs have equivalent prices to hotels. Yeah. 
you just don't get the service. And then I got to clean up after myself. And then I feel kind of sketched sometimes. Sometimes I'm going to some of these places, you know? Right, right. I'm just saying, like, I, I can see a world where hotels make a big return and Airbnb doesn't. I personally really like the weekend getaway to Airbnbs. Why? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, you have a, a house. It's easier for the kids because we stay in, you know, in the, in the mornings at night. The kids go to bed early. You have a living space that you can go and then, like, hang out in afterwards. Okay. I mean, I buy that. Yeah. But I mean that those those destinations, like let's say like Big Bear, if you're in California, or like, Big Bear, or if you were to go to Palm Springs, I think those are different. Mm-hmm. There's never really been a whole lot of hotels in those areas. Those have always been kind of cabin rentals anyway, even before Airbnb. Right. Exactly. Like, they true. always had vacation. That, that was there. there. That was there beforehand. Yeah. Right? So I think those spots will continue to be impactful, and Airbnb will be valuable. But yeah, can everybody just get an Airbnb and rent out like in Anaheim? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. No. I, no. I think you know you get hotels that come back in those spaces. Or, right. You know, I, I don't think that non-destination vacation towns are going to have the same cachet like that. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't. I think you're going to want that service. Right. Maybe I'm a bad person. No. No. Not at all. I just laughed at a you know ninety something year old billionaire. It's fucked up, bro. It was fucked up. So you don't want to play. You're, you're wildly de- yeah. Because I was trying to keep his respect. No, you I knew. Weren't. I knew. That's we were, not true. I knew That's you and I. True. I knew we were gonna laugh, wow. and it was so disrespectful. Because you're trying to position yourself for a Nobel. I'm gonna let my back off this. Yeah, but we both know that ain't true. <laughs> That's so true. That's not you true. Know. You're a terrible human. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, if you stuck around this far on the show, oh wow, fifty nine minutes. I want to say thank you. But before we go, we haven't read any reviews in a while. Oh, we got a couple. We have a couple. And I think that the couple that we have are really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. One of which, clearly from a blind person, but we'll get to that one shortly. <laughs> Most recent one from uh, Mo. Misky M. We know who you are, Mo. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Kind so- of surprised. Didn't, did not expect to see you here. Such a great podcast that really hits the main points. High-level topics, very interesting. I'm a fan. Well, we appreciate you, Mo. We do. Said more than me, because I'm arrogant. (laughs) Yeah, you're arrogant. (laughs) Tommy Real Estate. Go ahead, read it. Tommy Real Estate. These guys have been out in front of everyone else saying the things you've been thinking, if you're paying attention, but able to explain themselves and have data to back it up. Highly recommended. Tommy, what a gangster. Yo, appreciate you, Tommy. God damn, that's a good review. Yeah. Top notch. Title of it. Yeah, top notch. You left, you left I, left, I left that out. I left that for you. Oh, but Car Guy 2013. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> this might be the best review we've gotten. Okay. Yeah. Great duo, very informative. Lessons on everything in life from how to's and don't do's. Oh, and they are also both very handsome guys. Car guy, 2013. I love you, dog. Thank you for noticing. Like, you, you, we love you. I just want to. I want to put you on notice that I see that you're noticing. I don't know what you look like, but I would imagine you're a handsome guy too. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you, car guy. Yeah. What is what is that? Yeah. Well, we, we're gonna end it there because I don't think we need to get into all the ones that talk about us being really handsome, really arrogant. Right. Right. Especially because there aren't any that talk about us being handsome. There's only one talking about me being arrogant. <laughs> Wait till we get the new album covers. Those photos are. Fire. Yeah, you need to pick your photos, man. I already, I did. We have to go over them tonight. Tonight? Yeah, come on. We got time. Oh, it's so late. Come on. Yeah. 1030. 1030. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be in the studio tomorrow, aren't you? I am. We're doing the live with Adam. Live with Adam. Okay, so yeah. By the time they hear this, it'll already happen. But effectively, 3 p.m. If you were there, great. Appreciate you. If you weren't there, I hate you. You should tune in the next one. Yeah, because there will be a next one. We'll do it tomorrow. We love you. We appreciate you. Two handsome guys signing off. Thank you, everybody. Good night.
I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.